0: Well, it is still uh, the dominant story, uh, that's for sure. Uh, and the number of people being treated on trolleys in our hospitals is actually almost have in the past week but the situation remains uh, very serious Wait time still remaining high, 96 people were waiting more than 24 hours to be seen in emergency departments yesterday according to the HSE hospital staff working additional hours over the weekend to clear the backlog over 400 people were discharged last Saturday alone we're told and we've had lots and lots of you telling us about your experiences at Sligo University Hospital over the Christmas period And indeed, a number of you yesterday on the show critical of the care doc system, um, which it seems um, could be reformed or reviewed, the care doc and the now doc system, which exists here in the North West, which we'll get to very, very shortly. The government, of course, insisting they're doing all they can and that there has been significant investment in the provision of new hospital beds since COVID. Uh, Local Deputy Mark McSharry is on line four. Good morning to you, Deputy, uh, and thanks for joining us. Well, first of all, before we get to the CareDoc and, and now Doc system, what are you making of what is happening in our hospitals at the moment?
1: Well, I mean, I think that it's come home to roost. Uh, I mean, what we have is consecutive governments who haven't listened to the expertise of the likes of Dr. Fergal Hickey, who was the spokesman for many years for the Association of Emergency Medicine Practitioners. Uh, I mean, I don't know how many times, and I'm sure your own records will show he was on Ocean FM, or indeed every station in the country in the National Airwaves too, uh, highlighting the need for uh, an increased number of ICU and acute beds on the one hand, uh, and the backup staff um, to, 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 to back them up and to cater for them. Uh, so I think we see that coming home to roost now. And while there's been an increase of about 1,000 beds, I think, since the beginning of COVID, uh, there mm-hmm. are still major staffing issues. Um, I suppose the other issue is, thankfully, on the one hand, more people uh, are living longer um, and requiring more additional care uh, in the twilight years of their life. But that's not an excuse for the situation that we have. Uh, Another thing that I have come across in reading in recent months uh, about this is that and I'm not criticising any staff here at all, but I was looking at the pay scales in the United States for frontline workers. Now, obviously, they operate a different system, which is exclusively insurance-based. The salary structures are very much guided towards those that are in the frontline, nurses, doctors, consultants, uh, non-consultant hospital doctors, and so on, Uh, whereas in many cases uh, in our system, uh, the pay scales are weighted towards, um, you know, management, coordinators, administration and so on. And uh, yeah. I just, that's an observation. Uh, and I just okay. wonder is that one of the factors that is, um, I suppose, encouraging people to go abroad for experience on the one hand, but perhaps remain on the other uh, and perhaps creating the difficulty in attracting some of those back. As I say, that's just an observation. Mm.
0: But what 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 should the government be doing what can they do, do you think, that they're not doing at the moment? Or is this a situation, is this just the perfect storm that Minister Donnelly
1: referred to last week? Yeah, I mean, there is an element of the perfect storm but I think since the 2004 Health Act um, and the establishment of the HSE which in theory was a good idea in the sense of You know, let's centralise procurement, let's centralise payroll, let's centralise recruitment. Uh, You know, all of that makes sense. Um, But perhaps an unintended consequence is that we have injected what appears to me as somebody who has to interact with the service um, on a daily basis to be an infinite number of layers um, um, that that, uh, are very far removed from the frontline workers themselves. Um, so I think that the experts like uh, like the Fergal Hickeys uh, of our nation, and there are many of them, uh, yeah. need to be listened. I mean, uh, when I went into politics first, we had the Department of Health and Health Board. Some of the health boards in the Northwestern one in particular, was particularly good. Some were bad and needed reform. Uh, but we threw out the baby with the bad water at that time. Since then we have many, many more layers uh, that are responsible for the health service. We have a Department of Health, uh, we have the HSC. Uh, we have all the various CHO ones and so on. We're in CHO one areas. Uh, and I'm just not sure uh, that the decision-makers in this instance, being Donnelly, Varadkar, Martin, uh, etc., uh, are so far removed now from the front line than they were, for example, in um, the days of Dr. Rory O'Hanlon in the 1980s, uh, that I wonder that, relatively speaking, uh, were we not better served uh, when uh, decision-makers much closer to the front line than the days of, um, you know, the county surgeon and the matron um, when, uh, regardless of when, whether one is into secular Ireland or religious Ireland when uh, a lot of our religious orders were, I wonder uh, were our systems uh, serve better in those days. So, uh, it's complex Uh, I think there are if it was money, it would have been solved a long time ago. There was never more going in, so it's not money. Uh, for me, it's down to leadership and accountability, and ultimately that's, that rests with the government, and it's a matter for them to reform the system, in line exclusively, in my view, with listening. Uh, to the experts like Fergal Hickey
0: and his colleagues um, I, To come to the Care Doc, Now Doc system and it was uh, there, there were a number of uh, messages we got from listeners yesterday in relation to what they would see as weaknesses in the system and again this is an issue which apparently cropped up at a meeting of Leitrim County Council yesterday what can you tell us in relation to this uh, and there is a review underway, is or not which would uh, yeah, it, it, basically, could, it could mean uh, one the, model the, for, the, the, for the entire North West so what's happening here?
1: Now, NowDoc was established in 2001 and it caters for much of Donegal um, and also um, uh, County Leitrim. And um, then in Sligo, we're we, we run by CareDoc. Uh, and it's a sort of am- amalgamation of both who, who, who run the, the Sligo, Donegal, Leitrim area. And there are some issues that have emerged with it. Um, I mean, certainly we've all had reports of in instances of, of long waiting times Uh, People at times have questioned um, um, the capacity of of certain maybe agency, GPs in the service, um, and others have had an exceptionally good, and the vast majority of it, an exceptionally good uh, experience in dealing with them. Mm. Uh, But since November last uh, the HSE have reached out, I think, to stakeholders internally, that is CareDoc and NowDoc themselves, uh, the trade union staff and so on, uh, in an effort to try and come up with one service delivery model um, that's, that is uh, that is that, seamlessly working across the three counties. Um, and uh, I gather that has started in November, and uh, I've written personally to the head of primary care within the CH01 area to ensure, because there is some concerns, uh, that any new system or any new uh, service delivery model will uh, optimise the number of red eye centres that are available from all of County from right up and through Donegal, so that people yep. aren't in any way discommoded or forced to travel longer distances.
0: Because uh, geographically it's a huge area as we know, so that that is the danger, is it not? That people will have well, to. Well,
1: I mean, I just want to distance. ensure and flag that uh, that won't be tolerated. Uh, so it's an, it's a reduction in travel times, uh, an increase in the speed of turnaround times, whether it's to see somebody or get them an appointment at one of the red-eye centres during the night, whether it's a direct house call or whatever, uh, and also that the, the required resources are provided to upkeep these centres. Some of them date back to 2001. They're old. They're unacceptable for uh, doctors, admin staff, nursing staff, and so on. Um, so I hope that this... Uh, it's been called an examination and consultation uh, leads to an improvement in service a better integrated service and one which is expands Uh, and improves upon what is, in many instances, already a good service to the public. But as you know from your own reports and your own listeners, um, that isn't universal. uh, And we need to ensure that people uh, have the required access as quickly as possible uh, within a very reasonable commutable distance. So, for example, it would not be tolerable if um in a new system uh, that uh, people in sligo were being told to, to go to carrick and shannon or people in mount Charles were being told to go to sligo or anything like that and uh, an examination has been done um by some staff in the service at the moment of other uh, out of our services throughout the country and uh, um, other areas are served with uh, a greater number of these uh, centres and uh, a larger number of GPs so we'll certainly be arguing the case for
0: uh, for improvements in our area. Alright, okay. Uh, just a, a final question on a, on a separate matter and a matter we'll be coming to on the show very shortly and we covered it yesterday. Um, the arrangement by Quilcher to enter the, into that joint venture uh, with a private investment fund to uh, support the, the purchase and planting of uh, 50,000 hectares of woodland. We've had more statements again from representative organisations this morning. Are you in favour of that move?
1: No, definitely you know? not. I think it's a reprehensible and treasonable move uh, by Queenshire. Um I think a company with 440,000 hectares in their ownership and an annual profit in excess of 100 million euros does not require foreign investors. If additional monies are required, they can be raised here in Ireland, uh, ideally ideally through a scheme that supports farming families. What this plan proposes to do is to transition out of use 50,000 hectares of farmland. That's up to 1,500 family farms at 50 acres uh, per farm. Uh, and it proposes to use taxpayers' money to do it in terms of the premium that will be paid to these foreign investment funds down the line. So we've seen... coming to this country to hoover up housing stock at the expense of the rest of us, particularly first-time buyers. This is another way of doing the same. It's effectively um, subcontracting Ireland out to the highest bidder at the expense of Irish people and, more particularly, Irish farmers. Certainly, we know we have forestry targets in this country. And the priority of any government must be to ensure that farming families are the ultimate beneficiaries of that through increased premium. so that if you have a small holding, that you have some semblance of an opportunity to earn a living and raise your family and put them through school and college as a result of the bounty of the land. So I am totally opposed to this. Under the Forestry Acts, sure, Queen you have a commercial mandate and an independence from government. However, when it comes to... In effect, putting the country on the market, I think there is no more important um, obligation on government but to step in and prevent it, and that's what I'm calling on Minister macon uh, and Minister Hackett to do.